Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Welcome in to another exciting, jam-packed edition of 11 Personnel. I'm Nick Roush with Adam Luckett. And Luckett, I had Chinese for dinner, and I saved the fortune cookie for now. So what I'm going to do is let this little cracker tell us how our podcast is going to go. How does that sound? Works for me. I feel like I'm like doing AS. This was not pre scripted either, you all. He's really open in a fortune cookie. <laughs> Only those who dare truly live. Wow, that's inspiring. So we dare you to smash subscribe, rate, and review because <laughs> that means you're truly living. And look at we're living, we're living a little bit later in the week, a day later than normal, just because. Well, not, not because news was sold down, but we also anticipated that some big news was going to happen today. Give us a little more meat and potatoes to talk about. And even though I'm full of Chinese, I'm ready to get to this meat and potatoes out of market. Hey, man, you can't beat a good steak and mashed potato dinner. So let's get going. <laughs> All right. Well, the first, uh, I, I, my, my thoughts are that we start small and then go big. And by starting small, I mean, kind of get into the, the the micro analysis and then get into the big picture general kind of college football stuff. So on the micro level, Kentucky today, another big pickup in state, Jordan Lovett commits to the Cats. The North Harden High School defensive back was one of their top targets in the secondary. Uh, rolls the dice, plays a little Yahtzee. He's picking the Cats. And I know Vince Marrow was excited. He said, boom, love it, which... I mean, that's just I, that. That's some Vince Merrill humor right there for you. Good old fashioned pun. He he's got plenty of them, man. <laughs> I'm sure he was very. I proud like of his uh his thing now where he's doing a like Pro Football Focus tweeted out that Boogie Watson's I think the third greatest um, edge player coming back in college football. He's like, oh wow, that number three edge player at Kentucky. <laughs> and then Darian Kennard was like the number one tackle in the SEC coming back. He's like, oh, wow, the number one tackle coming back at Kentucky? <laughs> oh, he, I love it. that stuff up. Man, man and, and the thing that I love, too, is that, like, you know, Mark Stoops and Eddie Grant are big, like, oh, we don't we don't read anything we say. Like, you're so full of it. <laughs> you're oh, yeah. so full of it. Oh, yeah. Like, they're reading all of the headlines, everything. Um, a, because like, call them, we all got egos, but also they kind of feed off of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but we can, we can get into more of that later. Cause cats actually might be getting a little bit of national respect, at least from uh, a pro football focus, but they get Jordan Lovett, Jordan Lovett. He's not the highest 
ranked guy, and that's kind of what you the, the story you could tell about a lot of kids in this recruiting class. Uh, but he was one of the their top guys on the board. Led the nation in interceptions. Now I don't know how much I trust the the led the nation stat because high school football stats are just horribly right. kept. Fifteen a lot, no matter what. Yeah. Right, uh, and I and I think we can say with certainty he led the state with 15 picks, um, but he's got a good nose for the ball. Really rose on the scene, and what, what I like Luckett is that he got a little bit of attention, maybe from like you know some Mac schools and like Cincinnati over the summer. But he really blew up uh, by his play on the football field, and not in this kind of camp setting where where you see a, a lot of kids really blow up. Uh, but he announced on KSR he's going to be a Wildcat fourth commitment from the Commonwealth, four of the top eight guys from the state, and Vince Merrill's third North Harden kid in, in two years. Yeah, and when you look at the tape of all the kids I've seen from North Harden, Lovett had the best film, No, oh, I think. Really? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, when you, you, do, you start digging in, you read, okay, he had 40 tackles last year. That's not a lot. Mm-hmm. He had 15 interceptions. So you go in thinking, all right, a lot of this is going to be kind of bad competition, him just kind of playing center field and catching catching the balls. Right. There is, there is basically some, being a, a punt returner. Right. Is, and there is, is trust me, there is some of that. There's more than like three or four like that. <laughs> but there's also him going up full extension, um, reading the quarterback's eyes as, as a deep safety, sprinting to the right extending out and making a catch with, you know, a long frames, 6-2, and selling out to catch it. There's also him running full speed downhill. They try to hit a tight end across the middle, throw it high. Ball gets batted up in the air. He stops, leans back, and catches the ball. Like, there's some, like, legit, you know, hand-eye coordination going on. Right. On his ball skills. So, you add that in with just his size for the position. He's it's probably like 6'2", 185, 190 mm-hmm. right now. So you project him after he gets in the college weight program, he's going to be able to play at 210, 215 pounds. Yeah. Like Yusuf Corker is a big safety and he's probably 200, 205. So you look down, down the line and you're like, man, this guy, he's got some really good size. He can cover a lot of ground. He he's very instinctual because that, at that position to make that many, to be even have a chance to make that many interceptions, you have to, kind of be able to flow and replace and just go. So you, you add that in and there's just there's just a lot to like about him. And I think I really like this tape. You would like to see more from him as being more of a guy that knocks people backwards when he tackles them. But that that goes with the strength thing too. You can kind of you can add that to your repertoire. But what he has right now is just a a guy who can cover and can cover a lot of ground and when the ball's thrown to him, he's coming down with it. We saw – we've seen in the past some of the Kentucky's guys. Lonnie Johnson, it took him forever to get an interception, even though he had yeah. a bunch of pass breakups. Brandon Eccles, I think, had like 11 or 12 PBUs, no interceptions last year. He didn't – no, those were fumbles, weren't they, against he Mississippi was, State? Yeah, he were – yes, he recovered two fumbles, I think. He yeah. caused a fumble against Virginia Tech. Okay. One at the end. Yeah, it was the one at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think – Hey, he fits the the body build of kind of what Stoops has been recruiting. He he likes the big guys, um, and he yeah. he's a lengthy guy that's got 
like you said, a frame to add on to. And the thing that I like too about it, and we don't, I guess we don't hear it a lot, but just in the interview he had with Matt on KSR when he made his announcement was, you know, they put pros uh, from the secondary in there. And so, like, why, why wouldn't I want to come mm-hmm. play at Kentucky? And it, I, I, it, you'll, you should see more of that. Um, I mean, you just should by, by the looks of this secondary who only gave up nine touchdowns all last year. Kentucky should be able to recruit pretty well from the secondary. And when you look at how things uh, – we've talked about previously how things are kind of regionally set up for recruiting. If you get the really talented guys that plug in your system from your home state, you can maybe take some big swings uh, out outside of the state elsewhere. Uh, and I know one of the kids, he just popped up on my Twitter feed today because he is a four-star top 10 defensive back in, in the country and uh he went to Tuscaloosa. he was originally from Tallahassee but now he's playing ball in Tennessee somewhere his name's Terion Henry I believe is his last name and this kid is uh like Illinois and a couple and I want to say like Georgia Tech but like a couple of schools have been like hey you can play basketball and football here and he tweeted out a graphic today, a really cool graphic where mm-hmm. it's a Photoshop of him like palming a basketball and a football. And, you know, at the top was Kroger Field and at the bottom was Rep Arena. And this is one of those safety kids who's, you know, people, all the Alabama websites are like the latest on Terry on Henry. Yeah, you know, it seems he's like doing? he's probably a big Alabama link just from the little bit of digging I've done. Right. But this is, you know, if you're Kentucky, why not push your chips in? Like, that's the kind of. Mm-hmm of luxury that you can afford when you get a guy from your home state that you have confidence in down the road. It's funny you mentioned uh, that recruiting just from the NFL and the success they're having really. When you kind of break down the roster, and I started this little project last night, when you just look at kind of blue chip recruit starters, both sides I think I believe – I think the defense has four and then the offense has three. Now the offense, all three are on the offensive line. Right. But uh, de- yeah, yeah, because you lost Bowden, so. Yeah, so, and then defensively, you've got Pascal, Chris Oates this year, and then you get Ed Joseph and Yusuf Corker, so you have more. But when you go to the bench is really where you start to see the depth difference, where the high-level success they've had recruiting has come more on the defensive side of the ball. When you got guys like Weaver, Justin Rogers, Marquand McCall, Jerry Casey, Moses Douglas, Xavier Peters, and then a few more that are going to be on the bench. And then offensively, you're really looking at, like, this new class coming in, really it, when it talks to just, like, consensus, blue chip kind of players. So I think that's something moving forward they're going to have to improve that talent level on offense, try to get Mm -hmm. better, try to win some bigger recruiting battles. But there's no doubt what Mark Stoops wants to be. It's a defensive program. And when you look at just how this roster shakes out, just by using that kind of talent grading system, They've got, you know, they've they've upgraded the talent in a big, big way, I guess would be the best way to put it. Well, and the focus, too, is win in the trenches and kind of build from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I think that's evident in what you said when, I mean, hell, you're bringing in Justin Rogers, highest yeah. ranked recruit ever, and he's going to well, be playing interior defense line. Well, sometimes when you're constructing a roster, you every every program in the country for the most part, except for like Clemson and Ohio State now in, in certain ways. 
they have a local kind of recruiting area, like your home base. Right. And you're, you're tethered to that. What talent that produces is kind of what you need your team to be. And so when you look at Kentucky, that, that home base in itself gave them Darren Kennard, Drake Jackson, and Landon Young right there. So that, that, that's, that's where the, that's the star power on offense. And, and in Maybe fact, in a couple like, years it'll be some receivers or some running backs or mm-hmm. whatnot. But right now that's just kind of what it is, and that's really what they've built the, the identity and the team around. I do like imagining some of the other places, just here's your home base, so here's your identity. Like Wisconsin is the perfect personification right. of that. We just got some big old hogs in the trenches and some running backs that are going to – carry it you know 35 times a game wisconsin football the nebraska's biggest detriment is wisconsin because that's what nebraska should be like yeah. that's what they want to be they oh, should be man. that but wisconsin gets all those kids in a diff if things shook shook differently all those wisconsin kids would just most a lot of them would end up in nebraska such a shame you know yeah, you hate to you see hate it scott to see frost it. you really you really hate to see it scott frost um but to kind of back out of the as we start to slowly inch our way wider and wider, the kind of big picture in this re- recruitment is Kentucky's almost gotten all of their their early guys, mm-hmm. um, the ones they want to lock up early. It's kind of like uh, in 2019, it was all of the kids from that April visit, Justin Rogers, John Young, Bo Allen. This is the kind of the early flood. Uh, and really the only piece you're missing out on is, is Jagger Burton. Um, and then where do you go from there? Oh, well, you know, then then the 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 net you have to cast is a little bit wider. But, then you start filling the gaps for your needs. Right. But kind of going into this, this recruiting process, it was, all right, you get a couple offensive linemen and then get your guys that are in-state, really talented, get you some receivers. And like you said, then you plug and play elsewhere. Um, as far as Jacker Burton goes, yeah, I, the, what was once just a Kentucky Ohio State thing, now it appears Alabama's trying to nudge their nose in there as well. Um, but you know that also comes with all the Kentucky kids. Uh, you know, you got more Kentucky kids trying to recruit them, all that good stuff. So yeah, I mean, everything you're seeing just it seems like it, he's a heavy Kentucky lead. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I get that vibe, um, and it's probably the case where, you know, in his heart, he's probably ready to pull the trigger. But if if I were to guess, the folks around him are like, whoa, 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 hey, why, why are you in such a rush? You got to hear these other people out. You know, you've been a Kentucky fan forever. You know, what's waiting? Uh, you know, another month or two before pulling the trigger? Just hear everybody out, which I think is a pretty rational, reasonable way to go about things. Yeah, and he's at a point where he's got leverage definitely on Kentucky staff where they're not going to force their hand at all with him. They're going to let him take his time and make a decision. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He, he's in the power position in that. So you can't blame him. There was one other kid I wanted to talk about, which is exciting for the future, but Adam Luckett, Kentucky, the state of Kentucky has a national quarterback recruit in the 2022 class. Gavin Wimsat, after Kentucky offered him, so Kentucky offers him uh, May 9th, and then Vandy comes in, Louisville comes in, West Virginia comes in, Missouri comes in, which is about what you'd expect. Cincinnati uh, comes in and offers the Owensboro quarterback that's a rising junior. 
And then earlier this week, TCU got in the mix for Wimsat. And I have a feeling like it if this was uh, your normal year, kind of like in the case with Luckett, where if you get out in the camps and more people see you, I think there would be uh, an even kind of bigger sheet. But you're, you're seeing Wimsat start off now, uh, get more and more people. And I actually talked to him uh, the other day for a while. I got an article coming out here before too long. It's one of those things like it too, where you know you do the interview and you're kind of like, ooh, I got this in the bag. So let me let, let me get all my other stuff done, and then I'm gonna let the public know. But for now, I can tease it and say that after watching his film and talking to him, he gets to the, the dual threat tag and he can run all the RPO stuff, but he really just likes throwing the bomb. It's like NFL blitz. Just just call up the bomb, and I'm going to let it rip every single play. So he, he's an exciting guy to watch for in the future. I pulled it up right now. He had 87 carries in 14 games. So it's not like he was told the to rock a lot. Yeah, so uh, I'm not good at math, but that's less than 10 a game. Right. Yeah, that's that's essentially, you know, your six, seven, eight carries. Probably two or three were designed. Right. Scramblings, but that tells you he's – He's sitting in the pocket and making throws. What what does that TCU offer tell you? I don't know. That's kind of weird, to be honest. It's, it's kind of weird, but it kind of isn't TCU. Aren't they big on dual threat guys? I, I mean, maybe it's because I kept googling Justin Rogers last year, and he was showing up. And then you, I mean, there Justin Rogers, and then you had the Kenny Hill experiment. Kind of, but I mean, I don't think they're specifically like we have to have a dual threat quarterback. That's just weird because Texas craps out quarterbacks. Yeah, left and right. So, and they hey, have a must, – Must show you something about this kid. Yeah, so who, know, who knows? There might be some type of connection there. That's a fun uh, – just, you know, it's a couple of years down the road, but he's a name just to keep in the back of your mind who put up some crazy numbers. And I didn't yeah. also didn't realize how good Owensboro was last year. They yeah, only lost to – Frederick Douglass is the only Kentucky team they lost to. Yeah. They lost to an Evansville team by six. We could be seeing them, those two, play again in the playoffs. Which, know, if knock on wood, if we have Kentucky high school football. <laughs> what did you think of uh, the doomsday scenario? Did you did you see that uh, from Julian Tackett? No, I did not see it. What, what, what did Mister Tackett say? <laughs> so he, so uh, the commissioner was on a call. It was one of those things that Josh Moore is an old school journalist and me, I'm just like scrolling through Twitter, but he was watching this Zoom meeting on, it was Linda, Mayor Linda Gordon's economic uh, something team. And they had like an athletic subcommittee. So you've got like Dwayne Peavy, Julian Tackett, just people in the area who are kind of decision makers. Right. And they're basically giving recommendations for certain things. And, and A, it was just kind of interesting to think out some of the things they'll have to do to bring youth sports back. So, like, if we do have high school football back, there's going to be one entrance and one exit so you don't have people kind of bumping into each other on the way in and out. Uh, for, like, little leagues, kids will probably have to sit in their cars and wait until the game's over and the field is cleared before they can get out of their car. So, if you're a parent with kids who are playing little league ball, that let's get in and out in an hour or an hour and a half, that ain't happening. It's This is going to be a little bit longer process. But while discussing this kind of towards the end, 
You know, I mean, it was, I mean, you want to talk about a snooze fest. But at the very end, he kind of slipped out. Taggy was like, yeah, this is pretty nice, pretty productive. Feel good about it. It's a lot better than what I'm normally doing day to day. I've got this doomsday scenario where we got to move all of our fall sports between the winter and spring. And, like, everybody was just like, oh, boo. You know, like, the entire crowd was just like, don't do that. That is, that's, that sounds terrible. And he was like, yeah, but. You have to have a worst case scenario, and that's their worst case scenario. Is I guess basketball wraps up around the end of February, and that's around when baseball starts too. Is around like early March, February. Just throw football in there. Yeah, you know high school coaches across the state that had lean on two, three sport athletes. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of I mean, that's a fighting problem. in the teachers' lounge. <laughs> I mean, just imagine your star quarterback leads a team to Rupp Arena and goes to Sweet 16, and it's the first time they've been in Sweet 16 forever. Right. Like, what, is he going <laughs> – I mean, that's – I'd be lying. More... I'd be lying if I did not say – oh, part of me smirks thinking that we could have a football season from December to February. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, because my, my high school basketball coach didn't mind me missing, you know – Two games. I, 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 we, we played manual. We beat them. Uh, I think that was the only game I missed. Mm-hmm. And, but I did. I was out of shape as hell. You go from playing on a defensive line to running up and down a basketball Yeah, it's court. a different kind of shape. <laughs> yeah. Is, and my body was beat to hell. And I got beat back door. Almost cost us the next game. Luckily, my buddy bailed out and hit a three next time down the court. But that's neither here nor there. I do – thinking of that scenario playing out would be entertaining. But I don't want it to just because of the fact that we could have some really big games. I don't. I think you corrected me that North Harden isn't in the same uh, class as Frederick Douglass and I believe there's six at Owensboro. Right yeah, I, I think you're Owensboro's right. five A. Yeah, so Owensboro and Douglas. That Douglas eliminated him in the Final Four last year. That would be a fun rematch, yeah. especially if this kid. He was only a sophomore last year, but you get really get it rolling. Um, and then Frederick Douglass, they got to find a quarterback, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But if they do, they got enough targets to throw to. So right, um, absolutely. But that was talking high school football. Now, get things a little bit bigger picture here. There was one thing we wanted to wait on till today, and frankly, like it, I can't wait much any longer because <laughs> I've just in, I never I spent more than two hours of my day listening to people bicker over who is better. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of what was my my favorite like. Uh, one of these. Ooh, it's Jim Harbaugh or Gus Malzahn. One of my I favorite. I see that today. Yeah. Oh gosh, I absolutely love it. And if you don't know what we're talking about, the the fine folks over at CBS Sports, it 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 feels like a different kind of talking season that we're in. Like it, but this is actually kind of routine and really gets it kind of heated up around this time of the year because. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting into the end of the NBA playoffs and people are needing something to talk about. And each year, the CBS college football staff, uh, all seven of them submit poll, like a, a, a ranking for all 65. Power five power, coaches. Yes. And this year, Mark Stoops makes an appearance in the top 25 for the first time, moved up from 39. The, the plus 17 was one of the biggest moves by any coach out there. I think... Coach O had the biggest one. Coach O was fourth, and last year he was thirtieth. So he's he had the biggest leap. But Mark Stoops yeah. was one of the 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 bigger movers and shakers in this process. And you wouldn't necessarily 
think that would be the case like it after another seven and five regular season uh, and an eight win total. But smart football people recognize that he got dealt uh, quite a hand and still found a way to be successful last season. Yeah, like we talked about, just the Bowden experience, I think, has given Mark Stoops a ton of points in the public arena where I think the public perception was kind of they didn't guard the Florida receivers there yeah, for a while, even with the kind of, you know, the 10-1 season quieted a lot of that, but I think that was still out there. But turning around and doing what they did with Lynn Bowden, I think is that more than the 10-1 season itself, I think has won them more brownie points, I guess you say, with the media. Now they're, now they're talked about in a different light, I think, than they were before. There's a line that, that Barton Simmons used in the Cover 3 podcast, which is that's where I was listening to them all talk back and forth. They're, they're pretty fun, uh, a pretty fun to listen. And I, just, I like Tom Fernelli too. I'm a sucker for the, the dress sense of humor. But the thing that Barton said about Stoops was, and I think that's what this is what a lot of people were saying, besides your Kirk Herbstreets and Cole Kublicks of the world that, that have always been uh, Team Stoops, it's that, you know, Stoops won me over this year. That, that was their kind of words. They thought, okay, you know, obviously this is going to be a big rebuild and slowly was getting there, but needed those signature wins. And the 10-win season was the, okay, this is good, but can they be consistent? And even though it wasn't another 10-win season, it might have even been more impressive to to come away with what they did last year. Um, so uh, it's, just, it's just nice that even though – we, we mentioned at the beginning that this coaching staff and this team loves feeding off of, no, get no respect. There's no disrespect. Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's just, it's good to see other people. It's good to see real recognize real. Mark Stoops has officially entered from a public perception standpoint where Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State. People recognize he's a good coach, but they're never going to pick them to do a big have a big season he's always at media day sec media day kentucky's going to be picked middle of the pack in the division mm-hmm. but at the same time people will recognize yeah he's a good coach but but <laughs> you know that kind of thing that's where that's where he is right now and that's a damn good place to be man it's kind of as much as we like to scoff at Mississippi State culturally, if you can get what they had under Dan Mullen, you can't complain, can you? No, because if Mississippi State is not dealt the infrastructure they were dealt back when divisions were made, they would have like if they were in the East, or if we were split, would we split divisions north south or whatever? It would be different. They could probably compete for a crown, but. Nick Saban was there while Dan Mullen was there. So that Alabama kind of had a stranglehold on that. And so they couldn't ever get past them. So like, but Kentucky's dealt in a way where they, the Avenue seems to be there or more approachable or more attainable than it would have been for Mississippi state where they were, even when they had Dak and the number one team in the country, they're still right. Right. The damn egg bowl got him. Like it gets everybody. <laughs> oh man, damn dog piss. And to your point, like it, 
I was ready to fight Locke on Twitter today so bad, but he he wasn't he didn't take the bait. I was you ready catch me to up to speed. So essentially, uh, Mark Stoops is one spot higher than Bronco Mendenhall on this list, and the reason why Mendenhall is so high is not because of what he did. Yes, last year's season at Virginia played a significant role and jumped him up from twenty six to twenty three, um, but he has. A, a solid record at BYU before he got there. And Locke is, uh, if y'all don't know Locke on McLean, he's a huge Virginia honk who does radio in Louisville. It's very bizarre, but Lachlan was once upon a time the sports talk guy in Louisville. And he always would play it down the middle. But now he's just becoming more and more of a UK hater. And he still just rides or dies for Virginia. Um, and the thing about Bronco Mendenhall is that – the Aside from the BYU stuff, where they're at now with their programs is almost identical. Stoops is 500. Mendenhall is 25 and 27, four seasons Virginia. And in Stoops' breakthrough year, they each had that one big breakthrough year. Stoops was 10 and 2, or, or no, excuse me, 9 and 3 with the bowl win. And then Virginia was 9 and 5. And I believe they, they got waxed in that bowl game. Okay. But the, the only difference. Season. They played Florida tough in the Orange Bowl, but then they got they got waxed by Clemson and then right. competitive Orange yeah. Bowl against Florida. Yeah, so they were – that was – yeah, I watched that game in on Charlotte, and I remember being like, oh, Virginia's actually going to hang around. But the difference between Virginia and Kentucky is that for their game to win the division, Kentucky had to play a team that lost in overtime in the national championship the year before. For Virginia, they had to beat their rival for the first time in 15 years. Right. And, and, and not even a very – good rival at that. Like Virginia Tech was solid, but it's kind of apples and oranges and it's part of the my war and the war that we will collectively be starting today. Adam Luckett, eleven personnel <laughs> is declaring war on the love for Scott Satterfield. The buck stops here, damn it. I was pretty surprised, man, I, that he he checked in at thirty one. I thought for sure we were gonna see him in the top twenty five of this poll. Well, that's because you have some smart people back there <laughs> counterbalancing it and realizing, hey, Scott Satterfield, he had a good year, but he's playing in the ACC. And I'm sorry right now, but it's just Clemson and a bunch of dudes. Now, next year you can maybe say, okay, Louisville, you have a chance to be the second. Like, Louisville has a chance to be the second best team in the ACC next year and, and only win eight games. That's how bad the ACC is. There's not a whole lot that you have to deal with there. And, and the same thing goes with Mendenhall. Okay, Virginia Tech's going to be decent next year. But the ACC Coastal is – it's been around for seven years, and a different team has won it each year. And to steal a line from Freddie Magger, I mean, really, the ACC is just a bunch of Boston colleges wearing different colored uniforms. It's absolutely ridiculous. Don't get – Scott Satterfield – can win in the ACC, but how different is it than the old Big East that Bobby Petrino won in, where all you had to do was beat Rutgers in West Virginia to win the whole damn league and go to a BCS game? It's not that much different, Luckett. The only difference is that Clemson has won national championships, so you got a much, 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 much better team at the top of it, and the, the logos are a little bit prettier in the ACC than that Big East. The ACC is a better league than the Big East was, but last year it was unwordly bad. I mean, it was bad as a power league can get bad. And you have to give a little credit. They took advantage of NC State crapping down their pants 
of Syracuse being in a great position to take a jump, falling on their face. Matt um, Brown raising a little bit of havoc. Sneaking up and winning a shootout at Wake Forest. They snu- you If you sneak into Winston-Salem, you're, you're, you're living in a good area right there. If you're able to sneak up on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. They lost Florida State, but Florida State, you know, was in total rebuild mode. Really, that and that's what this whole thing – we're going to have this conversation. That's what this gets to. The ACC, with Florida State's not good, the league's not going to be good. I mean, that's just – Or just the Florida point. teams in general. you, you got to right. have either Miami or Florida State or well, one of them. That's a different conversation for a different day when you talk about the Coastal because when they brought Miami and that's what they were supposed to be, kind of the blue blood on that side and constantly battle with Florida State and have Clemson mixed in there every once in a while. And that just hadn't happened since nope. they've been in the league. So the, that division has been like that ever since its inception. But I'm just talking about on Louisville's side. There, you have to give Satterfield credit. They won a bunch of 50-50, like not 50-50, but just some toss-up games. Boston College at home in a shootout. Wake Forest on the road in a shootout. Syracuse was a shootout, but they they were in control most of the way. But you just looked at when you took a step back and just looked at that league overall, it was just really, really bad last year. So now, fast forward here, here we are in May, and we've seen Scott Satterfield go on his, you know, media tour, pretty much saying how bad it was here. God, don't how give much me he had, this. How, oh, oh shucks, to, you know. How they had to have fun and practice, how had to hug the players. Oh, you just like got to hug them sometimes. Give them some loving. You know, and we so, had to show them we care. So certain people that talk and write about the sport are eating this up right now. And so what <sighs> we're trying to do, what we're trying to do is just be like, hey, Scott Satterfield did a good job, but let's tap on these brakes a little bit. Yes. So part of our platform on of the war against Scott Satterfield, we'll start off by saying, you know what? Kind of like like from the outset, you're like, okay, bring a country boy up to Kentucky. You know, he's going to have some front office. We kind of like – we don't mind him in theory. But first things first, the ACC stinks, so you're lucky, Scott. You're very lucky. Secondly, the cupboard was not bare. Louisville was averaging eight wins a season before Petrino just absolutely tanked it in that two-win team. I mean, for Christ's sakes, they were uh, – in 2016 – they were two wins away from the college football playoff. Two wins away from the college football playoff. Or at least playing in the ACC championship game. Or no. It's Thursday night in Houston, second last week of the year. Louisville people are pissed off about the college football playoff rankings. Because they were fifth instead of fourth, correct? But really, if they just win out, they're probably going to be the fourth team, depending on what happens in the conference championship games. But they they had a right, legitimate right. shot. That was when Ohio State snuck in, correct? As the second Big Ten team, mm-hmm. That's so, when they won on the uh, the spot. Ohio State won on the spot against Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. So fast forward three years, you aren't just complete. Like this isn't the same thing as the rebuild that we saw a few miles down the road on I sixty four. There was there's some talent there at skilled positions. These guys that are doing it right now, Bobby Petrino recruited him there. He sucks as a recruiter, but he got some good enough ones to win some games last year. Mm-hmm. And, and just thirdly, okay, we get it. He's a nice guy, but 
my goodness, folks, just pump, just because he's good at talking to you doesn't make him a better coach, okay? It's the same thing with Will Muschamp. Like, what, what, just because he's good at talking to you doesn't make him a good coach. Scott Satterfield knew that Kentucky was going to exclusively run the football and gave up 500 yards. Like, the, you can give him credit for winning that game and stealing one at Wake Forest, but you have to give him as equally as much bad credit for sucking against Kentucky in your rivalry game. That's terrible. That was embarrassing. I would be embarrassed to call myself a Louisville fan after <laughs> laying an egg like that. I can't think of a more embarrassing ass-whooping ever than having a team run it down your throat for 500 yards for 60 minutes of football. That's just gross. And Kentucky did it. They did it all day long, and he knew it was going to happen. You cannot give me this that Scott Satterfield is God's gift of football after a performance like that. Here's my thing with Louisville last year. Five losses, all by double digits. Florida State one was the only one that I think you could argue that they were kind of in the game. You look at Notre Dame. They, yes, they had success against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame was never losing that game. Right. Clemson, it's Clemson. At Miami, Jaron Williams threw for 800 yards. Louisville could not get a stop. At Kentucky, we know what happened in that game. So you add that in. So when the, in the games they're losing, they're not they're not really in in the game kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you look at three big games on their schedule. You look at Boston College, Wake Forest, Virginia, who were all bowl teams, who were all kind of right there, kind of neck and neck with Louisville. Six and six, seven and five ish. Right. Yeah. They won those games by a combined 13 points. They went 3-0 in those games. So what they did last year was get out and get some confidence early. Had in, in three games in, a, in October, they won all those games that they were what you would call a coin flip game. They won them all. And so when as soon as they did that, they were going to have a really, really good season. So you have to give them credit for that. They The ball bounced their way. And they're selling the hell out of it, which is what you should do. But what? But there's just a little too much of that going on, in my opinion. Like we just need to pump the brakes. Okay, li- right, I got that off my bit. chest. But and we, then we have crap down his leg in Musley Bowl. <laughs> yeah, Joe Moorhead, that guy. But you know what? He, he's he's back on the West Coast. He can he can have some success in the Pac-12. Yeah, they play softball anyway. He and he that Yankee ain't ready for no SEC meet no meat grinder. He just wasn't. <laughs> but enough of Joe Moorhead. Enough of anger about Scott Satterfield. I want to get into some more of these coaches like it because I found some of them to be fascinating. And and mostly when I say when we get to some of these coaches, I just want to go through some of the coaches that Mark Stoops is ranked ahead of. One of them is Mario Cristobal a guy who won a Pac-12 championship last year, which that says a lot about Mark Stoops. And and also the guy who's right behind him, Matt Campbell, who was the hottest. That's another, com- that's another media darling we could get into. Yeah. We're in, in last year, I know that they, they lost, what, five games by like 10 total points or something ridiculous. But yeah, eventually you got to win some of those five, games. Yeah. He's one. He's like twenty six and twenty five. He has the same record. He's I think twenty six and twenty five as South, as Will Muschamp does at South Carolina in the same time period. Yeah. And they both have like a three and nine, four and eight season thrown in. Gross. So we everybody craps on Muschamp, but then 
everybody talks about Campbell like he's the next it coach. I'm just saying, not, pump the brakes a little bit on that. Yeah, so the Brinks were pumped on that, even though some people are still kind of falling for it. But Stoops is ahead of those guys. He's ahead of Mike Leach at Mississippi State, which I'm sure a lot of this is, yeah, we like what you did, Mike, but how's this going to work? Which we've we've talked about before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Figuring out how Mike Leach is going to work at Mississippi State, that's as good a question as any. But did you see in college football? Did you see today, Nick, the kid that transferred after the noose comment? See where yes. he ended up. The the kid who left after the Michael Leach meme, Lane Kiffin picked him up. <laughs> Baby and love it. And earlier this week, he had a guy that was projected probably to start a tackle for them transferred to Florida. Mm. Reese offensive tackle. And as much as you know, we kind of like Michael Leach. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst thing if Mississippi State started being bad. No, <laughs> wouldn't be the worst thing at all. Um, because to go back to the Dan Mullen thing, I mean, he's going to be good TV either way. I mean, let's be honest. Oh right, right, of course. But it feels like Mississippi State and Kentucky can't be good at the same time. Like that can't coexist. One's got to be. Uh, I, I think the closest thing we got to it was that Benny Snell game in the rain two years ago. Dan Mullen's last year. Mm-hmm. But I I, I I don't think one can be at its best while while the uh, like they, they both can't be at their best at the same time. They're always that's going to be a competitive game because the the lesser team if it's at home they're going to play them tough no matter what. So uh, I'm uh, they got to get a win in Starkville eventually, and it'd be real nice if it would take Michael H. You know, three years to get that thing rolling because that place I, has been a house of horrors, man. I I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, Texas and Florida State apparently not back, uh, not back at all because Mark Stoops ranked ahead of him. It's uh, a pretty Herman. good debut for Norvell, though. Yeah, uh, I think they disrespect what he did at Memphis so much. Um, but and I, I I'm going to be curious in general with Mike Norvell too because you know I mentioned it with the. Uh, Petrino not leaving the cupboard empty. I'm curious how much talent's at Florida State because I know a knock a knock on Taggart was his inability to recruit, but not recruiting at that level. That's that's like compared to Florida State standards, but compared to the rest of the ACC, it's got to be above average. You know what I mean? So there's got to be some guys there. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Cam Akers was just getting abused there. That dude was a freaking stud. So there's got to be somebody there for Norvell to at least make Florida State to piece together a competent uh, football team this fall. You have to wonder if that's kind of like a situation where he's walking into a better roster situation. And from a culture standpoint, they're probably sick of losing. So they're going to do everything that he kind of demands. Kind of wonder if that's, a lot better than we're thinking. And then you're going to look at the end of the season and they're probably like eight and three playing Florida. And you're like, Oh, Florida state's like ranked 20th. Yeah. Norvell's doing a really good job. They're going to be a preseason top 10 team next year. Oh, son of a, mm. get your kneecap there. Yeah. Kneecap right on the, right on the edge of the desk. I've gotten more clumsier in my dad's strength. And you know, you get a little top heavy <laughs> with all that, that muscle. So you a little give and a little take. We'll give, we'll take. Which, speaking of, like it, this weekend, 
we we went back to my in-laws. Uh, they met the baby for the first time. Hung out with them for four or five days. It was good. It was a good trip. Good trip. Hung out with uh, my nephew too, who is almost. He'll be five this fall. He's right at four and a half. Just learned how to ride his bike without training wheels. So Uncle Nick, he's got to show Uncle Nick. Like, hey, look, well, yeah, watch me ride my bike. Well, he also brought over a razor scooter over to Grandma's. So naturally, if I'm going to keep up with him, I've got to hop on the razor scooter. And you know, razor scooters are pretty awesome. They they were. I mean, that it sounds was like, like a my, lesson you're going to learn the hard way coming up. This was my, I mean, my favorite Christmas growing up was the razor scooter Christmas when we all got scooters. Now, of course, there was some Value City, you know, kind of knockoffs that that came in the bunch, but the razor scooter. Great, great product. And I, I found myself that, that I reached a point where it's like, okay, I can't just keep going all over Kingdom Come. I can't be, we, we got to do something to keep him busy. So we decided to start having some races. And I did not think when I started, I thought it was going to be like the, oh, I'm beating you. You can't beat me. That kind of deal. No, it was, I'm sweating, kicking as fast as I can, trying to beat my nephew. On a, with my razor scooter, my tiny little razor scooter. And there were two times where I was going so fast around a corner that I had to hop off as I was like, this is this is going to end with my face in the pavement wailing in pain. It could have ended disastrously. Christmas or two ago, I decided to play Twister <laughs> with, I guess, one of my brothers, one of my little brothers, my little sister. About three or four games of Twister. That's the kind of sore I ain't ever felt before. Man, the 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 ankle stiffness just coming out, the the hip flexors. Oh man, I bet that that lumbar too, a portion of the back was just absolute brutal shape. Nick, we got us some breaking news here. Oh, breaking news! NCAA has officially ruled against the one-time transfer exception for student athletes for the twenty twenty-one season. Okay. So that means okay. Joey Gatewood will need a waiver to play next year. Okay. And so Olivia Sar and Jacob Toppin as well on the on the hardwood. So that's what we uh, that's that's what we were hearing at least. So I think yeah, that's what were, the, that's what they were they were trying to warn us. I think that that's what the, what their decision was going to be. We were hoping they would change their mind, but now they did. Uh, at least Pete Thamel reported that they are allowing kids to return to campus for the women's basketball, men's basketball, and football programs in June, correct? Yes, the NCAA approved it today, June 1st. Now it's up to the conferences. Which the SEC, I believe, will let us know Friday, if our timetables are correct? Yes, they're having a vote on Friday, I believe. Or some type of roundtable or something. That's good news now, although Kentucky doesn't get the Joey Gatewood news. I'm sure they're going to be, you know, applying for that waiver. Uh, that was something we kind of saw coming down the pipe. But just to have kids back on campus would be significant. Now, uh, of course, we have to wait to see what the presidents will ultimately decide. The athletic directors met last week to try to give them their kind of – to stamp their seal of approval – and say, here we go, university presidents. We think June 1st is, is a good idea. Here's the SEC athletic director's stamp of approval. But somebody put their hand down before 
that stamp could be smeared on that piece of paper. Who was it, Adam Luckett? That would be uh, Mr. Philip Fomer. As Steve Spurrier would say, can't spell citrus without U-T. You ever heard that story? I've heard that story. It's pretty good. What? I mean, this just stinks of Phil Fulmer, right? Like, or or, or are we being yeah. too? Are we? Being I'm not too, gonna. I'm not gonna get on him for for this. Okay, but like that, that's what I was wondering. Am I being too suspicious in like conspiracy theory? Because right now it's we're, we're locked up in our houses. Everybody's got a conspiracy theory about everything. Right. Am I being? Am I just wanting to hate on Phil Fulmer? Yeah, that's what it seems from my point of view, which I'm all for. <laughs> but I, I'm not gonna get on him about this. Oh, I have my God. takes on Palmer, and I think he definitely tries to throw his weight around in more ways than one. And I think we're starting to see in an SEC setting, he kind of thinks he's head honcho in some of these meetings. And I think it might be starting to rub some of these other ADs the, the wrong way. That is because true. Because that's also- how that leaked out. It wasn't leaking this out. I mean, that came from somebody that was probably you know, a little tired of his act, former. I would imagine. Right. Now, I am uh, I'm curious here because the NCAA did make it official, the June 1st thing. What was the date Andy Bashir had on weightlifting facilities? Do, do you know off the top of your head like it? I want to say like the 12th. I could be wrong on that. So really, whatever the athletic directors decide, Kentucky's going to have to wait till probably like the 15th. I would so assume so. Yeah, we would have to confirm that date. Yeah, right. The the state has to to check things out. So uh, just by looking at a calendar, the difference is of a weekend. Um, so I, I think if in reality, if Fulmer was the one holding it back to the fifteenth, that would benefit Kentucky because they can't even get in the gym until uh, the twelfth. So, but they could, uh, I guess, in theory, get everybody back on campus. I know some people have been living at home, especially the kids who were in the dorms or freshmen last year. Um, but others have just been stuck in their houses on campus. Um, but you could at least start getting the process of getting kids back uh, in Lexington. I was wrong. Fitness centers, June 1st. Oh. They could okay. go in right away. Glad we, glad we looked it up. So really, by the time you listen to this, they may have already announced that vote. Um, but that's going to come down to the Southeastern Conference. They're going to be making that decision on Friday. We'll see. We shall see. Now, uh, there was one other thing. There was another. Kentucky's the top 25 team, Adam Luckett. They did it. They officially <laughs> did it. Mark Stoops and Kentucky. Mark Stoops. Oh, man. And Kentucky was uh, 20th uh, in pro football focuses uh, preseason way too early top 25 rankings. And essentially, pro po- football focus. I, I, I appreciate that they try to be as mathematical as possible because at least in that sense, we can kind of say, hey, I, I know their perspective no matter what. And what what it comes down to a lot of it is they're weighing heavily Kentucky's great defensive numbers last year, the amount of returning talent. And you can't, when you stack them up to the rest of the teams in the country, they, they have to be a top 25 team. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have them there. They were here last year in PSF's preseason top 25, too, because their grades, however they do it, are really baked in 
to this number. So, I mean, that's good to see. But then you see how many – did you count how many SEC teams are in here? There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah that's I, what I – I counted the the opponents. In I mean, Mississippi State's at 25. And you won't find anybody else have them in a preseason top 25. Right. Five, five SEC opponents. They got Georgia, Florida, 5-6. Auburn 10th. Tennessee 19th. Did I, I also Auburn call. 10, I see that. You know who you won't Florida see in their top 25 Georgia, either? Five. Is Louisville, so you don't get that. I counted nine. Oh, no, SEC teams. I was just counting UK opponents. Um, yeah, but yes, so nine lots SEC of SEC teams. teams. ACC, no North Carolina. No, they're kind of the flavor of the month. So, Is there can any we ACC team besides Clemson? Who who are going to be the flavor of the month? We know we, we've talked about it at length. The Florida is going to win the SEC flavor of the month. That's going to be a fun preseason mm-hmm. storyline that the media is pushing. Um, what what other teams uh, are the dark horse? You mentioned North Carolina. They're going yeah. to get that. Hey, the coastal kind of stinks. Uh, year two, Mike Brown, and they've got their quarterback returning. So, hey, this could add up. Uh, we mentioned Louisville. We don't have to get into that anymore. Um, what are some other? teams that we're, we're going to see overhyped entering the preseason? I'm a little worried about my guy, P.J. Fleck, because oh. they lose a lot on defense, and I did not love that coordinator hire on offense. No, I don't think anybody did. That's one I could see getting really sideways, because they're kind of – going to be a consensus top 25 team. They're going to be a trendy pick to win that division. That's one that I feel like you should say, yeah, let's that's, that's one where you play the under on a, on a, on just a principle of them fading back to the pack after a historically great year. And on the fact that you're betting against Mike Sanford jr. Which has proven to be a pretty good bet here. Pretty, pretty solid years. bet. Um, is Texas. Texas back talk is certainly going to be back with Sam Ellinger back, but is that? I'm kind of in on. I'm kind of in on Texas this year. Oh, so Texas is back. Yeah, I just think the way they've recruited. I think we got. I think people jumped on them a year too early. I think this was the year to really go in on them. Last year, I think people went a little too in on them. I think this year they're going to be pretty good. Texas, all the way back. I, I'm just going to be mad every time I see a Utah thing now because I'm just over the the Pac-12. Ooh, there was something I learned today too, Lockett. And this is this is me just like West Coast. What's that? The name. I mean, it's almost like this was a, a computer automated name generator. The name of Washington's head football coach that replaces Chris Peterson is Jimmy Lake. Was he <laughs> was he the third string quarterback in Varsity Blue? Like that, that's like the most Texas quarterback uh, name I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's a, a football name, man, for sure. <laughs> Jimmy Lake, Jimmy Lake, head coach, Washington Huskies. Oh man. He I'm was just, oh, they're, they're, he was promoted when Peterson left or mysteriously right. retired. He was the he's uh, kind of next well man thought of as Nexus O guy, X and O guy. Um, uh, I got another I got another team for you. Okay. Regarding... Who's going to like, be the overhyped media darling? 
Like it's Auburn's, it's kind of, it's an odd year. So that means they're supposed to like take a step back under Malzahn. This is kind of how it works. <laughs> and then when you throw in all that talent, they lost on the defensive line. You add in this offensive coordinator conundrum. He's Malzahn is putting himself in again. Like, and this time it's, you know, his good friend Chad Morris, but what happens when he gets mad at his good friend Chad Morris for not running the place he wants to run? Like, that's one I could see kind of getting knocked off the tracks and maybe not getting back on. And, like, Bo Nix was our guy last year. Mm-hmm. And it was very up and down for him. Now, I think Malzahn makes it really hard on quarterbacks. But if he, if he has some confidence issues, you know, it could get ugly on offense for them. Only those, especially when dare. you add the play caller situation they got going on. Only those who dare truly live. So, if we take our fortune cookie, which college football teams could benefit from our fortune cookie? Only those who dare truly live. I think this because I. Not necessarily who it describes now, because that's just picking for the the craziest gunslinger out there, and that would be Mike Leach. But only those who dare truly live. Maybe this would be something that some fans would like to tell Mark Stoops. Hey, you know, it's okay to to let it rip deep a few more times. Um, Maybe Will Muschamp, you know, feel a little bit froggier. I'm just ready to see where Muschamp goes next, man. I've moved on to that point. Like, let's just get through this and let's see – Let's see. Let's see my guy be a DC again and berate referees on the sideline. I just want to see where he, where, what, what his landing spot is. Man, this fortune cookie would really help Kirby Smart too. That Georgia offense need a little bit of juice. Need a lot of bit yeah. of juice. Those but Jamie who, Newman, those who dare truly live. Mm. Phil Fulmer. How about USC, man? They kind of. It was kind of a – they dared to bring back Clay Hilton. <laughs> so, what, what if they go off and run on 10-2, 11-1 season with Keaton with, Clovis uh, and Graham Clovis? Mm-hmm. Hey, that could, that could work now. Now, could backfire, though, if their rival gets the guy they thought was going to be their new head coach. Because UCLA just hired an Ohio State guy as mm-hmm. their new athletic director. So, Martin Jarmond, I believe, is his name. Yeah, he came from Boston College. He hired your guy, Jeff Halfley, and bolted, what, six months Jeff later? Halfley, I really like Jeff Halfley. So he bolted six months later, uh, yeah, and now he's out at, at UCLA. I mean, firing Chip Kelly is going to be the, the easiest decision he's ever made in his life. That dude – Seems just like the most insufferable human out there besides, you know, Bobby Petrino. Chip Kelly is like the West Coast version of Bobby Petrino. So I can see him. One alternate rate, yeah. Canning Kelly and then, hey, Urban, come on. Just mm-hmm. stay out of LA with me. That's going to be a talking point for sure. Yeah. It's going to be this year. But one alternate reality that we you have to wonder how it would have played out. Because if. Chip Kelly goes to Florida, takes the Florida job. Dan Mullen's Tennessee's head coach. And you never have the Shiano moment mm. at Tennessee. 
Oh, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. Now, when, was was it uh, was Kelly? I'm trying to think. Was it the Mullen hire or the McElwain hire that all that Mullen? It was it was Chip Kelly and Scott Frost. That's I mean they were all in. Florida was kind of all in on getting one of those guys, and they both turned them down, and then they went to Mullen. I mean, Mullen was probably pretty close to taking the Tennessee job. Like, if it if it lasts maybe another day or two, he's probably Tennessee's head coach. Man, that worked out best for Florida because, I mean, Chip Kelly would have been – And then John like, Curry, I think he's probably Tennessee's athletic director, and he's thought of in a much different light if he hires Mullen because Mullen probably makes him pretty competitive right away. Ooh, good thing dodge that bullet. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Pruitt, what's that guy going to do? Am I right? I guess only time will tell. Time will tell. They uh, keep spending money on the staff. <laughs> as long as he has that staff together. Now, he lost a few guys. I'm interested to see this year how it works out because they did replace some guys I thought were pretty good, but they still still got the coordinators. But, but we'll see. We yeah, shall see. Unfortunately, talking season, there's no wind in sight. But there is good news. Like we said, players are getting back on campus, which means recruiting will start to happen on campus. The wheels are starting to spin correctly. Um, and you know what? We, we could think about what's going to happen if a kid gets corona, all that kind of stuff. But right now, we, we're in good vibes only because we're some of those who dare. And when we dare, we truly live out of market. That's right, man. As evidenced by this Chinese fortune cookie that tells no lies. Hear no evil, see no evil. Look it, I think it's time for us to get out of here. Before we go, did you see the odds, the MGM odds of the future games? Kentucky, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Kentucky, Louisville. The I I really couldn't read any other ones besides like Louisville's four and a half point favorites. Are you high? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what? The combined 90 points of the margin in the last two years. Really? Where are they getting that from? And then Auburn was a favorite in Florida on the road. I found that a little surprising. I would take Kentucky plus 17 at Auburn right now. Lock that in. Feel pretty good about that. I wonder if they're actually accepting the bets, though. Can I deposit from here? Yeah, some of these. Yeah, some of these. They release these without like, like you can't really play. Right. It's um, just hey, here's a line for a game, for and then they just like send it in an email points. to journalists just to get us talking. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. my goodness, if you get any of your friends to give you Louisville minus four and a half, huh? huh. Right. You, you, you getting <laughs> you getting four in the hook? Whew. Take 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 down points. To the bank. Take it to the bank. Look, and I'm happy you got your man cave ready to roll. Looking good. Now man. all we need is is football games t- for you to be able to enjoy from there. We uh TV shopping this weekend, holiday weekend. Hopefully, oh. find some deals. Uh, where where are you going? I think we'll probably start at Costco. I was gonna say you got to go to the the bulk stores. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're either a Sam's Club or a Costco person. Yeah, we cut, we're Costco. Yeah, well. Sam's Club. Suck it. Take that, Costco. <laughs> get out of here. But speaking of get out of here, we need to get out of here. I think I just heard a baby cry. He's probably mad. 
This is this, such as life. Like it, I sit you're up be, here in my office, and then you're being I just, summoned, Mister Roush. I just, I just feel horrible because I got this crime baby downstairs that I need to get to. But we hope you all have enjoyed listening to this. We hope you have an enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping, uh, and as I say, hope for the third time in a row, we get some good weather so and get outside, enjoy the great outdoors as summer gets started. Tiger and Phil are going head to head. Who's going to win? Well, we got a team action Correct. going on here. I bet I forget. The I team. give Is I give Peyton? the edge to Tiger. Yeah, it's Peyton and Brady. Or no, excuse me, Peyton Brady. It's Tiger and Peyton Manning. Now Peyton Manning has a better handicap than Brady. Okay. And then it's Brady versus Phil. And then Tiger and Peyton are the betting favorites right now. Believe like minus two fifty something like that, and then Phil and Brady are like plus one seven, plus one ninety. But you know what though, Brady's in Peyton's head, so I can see like Tom Brady taking that like, oh, I'm in Tampa now, I'm going to be loosey goosey. But then I, I think he's going to find a way to pull out the rug from underneath Peyton's feet, get inside that big old dome yeah. and and trick him up. The tr- I think it really comes down to how well is Phil, Phil putting. Yeah, the first the first nine is they're playing um, best shot. So each person gets a shot on the and then whoever scores has had whoever has the best you know shot at the end wins. Now if Peyton or Tom wins, I don't I'm not sure how they're doing it. Their handicap's gonna be baked into that somehow. But then on the back nine is that when you get alternate shot, that's Ooh. when I think you oh. can see the, the competitive juices start. Fun. And all you can really ask for is be close, 14th hole, and then come down to the wire. And I hope, too, that they provide good commentary for all the filler time because I tried watching some of that golf on Sunday, and, man, there's a lot of downtime when they're walking to their balls. You know, it's just – it's tough when yeah. they're going from the drive 300-some-odd yards uh, walking it. It's just – on a regular golf uh, broadcast, they're cutting away. They're going back and forth, but if well, nothing else, Barkley make... on I think to help fill some of that dead time. Good, good. It should be fun. That's Sunday at 3 o'clock on TNT, I believe. TBS, so... TNT, True TV. Oh, so we're they're, getting they're the NCAA. They're making up for missing all, all of them showing the match. Uh, well, that's something to watch. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get on the golf course. I'll be tuned in, uh, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't make those decisions anymore. Like it. <laughs> you got to run them through the chain of command. Yeah, and there's, there's certain things. <laughs> like, so, and I, I mentioned it today. It's like, a, hey, you can go golf, and there was like, a, oh, so you just made plans without me? Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, I just a suggestion. This is me suggesting it five days away. So. Who? I would like to do this. Here's my ri- here's my written statement. Please approve here's my this proposal. Proof. I give, I give, my, you I give my mom hours. a babysit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, this has been fun. Everybody, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for listening to Eleven Personnel. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. We'll see you next week. Go Cats. Go Krogering.